hi and welcome to the Jack and Ian show. Uh, we're in a different place, actually. Both of us are now back at home on Christmas break. Uh, we hope you all have a nice holiday season. I think both of us are doing pretty well so far. Um, that said, sports have not stopped, so we're gonna we're gonna go ahead and talk about what has been happening in the sports world of late, starting with this last week in NFL football. Ian, who are some players that were awesome this last right. weekend? So our first player of the week is someone that has been great all season and he's doing it right now with the Kansas City Chiefs and that is Travis Kelsey. Travis Kelsey had a fantastic game um, this past Thursday against the uh, Los Angeles Chargers. Um, he had 10 receptions, 191 yards and two touchdowns. Um, not to mention he had the game winning 34 yard touchdown in overtime against the Chargers. And so this guy's been great. And I mean, not just this week with his 191 yards, but just over the course of the entire season. Um, this is his sixth straight season, actually, with over 1,000 receiving yards. Um, he now has seven total receiving touchdowns, eight total touchdowns on the year. And this was actually his fourth game with over 100 receiving yards. So Kelsey, he, he, he's been doing his thing for, you know, for, for, for the last six, seven years. And he's just unstoppable with the Chiefs. So he's on our player of the week's list. Um, and and it, right now, it, it doesn't seem like this Kansas City team can be stopped. You know, they, they've won, what, seven games in a row, six or seven games in yeah. a row. So they're really taking the league by storm again, you know, even after that really tough start. But it seems like the, the, the Chiefs are back to their normal selves. Yeah, I don't know what why they necessarily started so slow. It might have been kind of – they've been so dominant over the last few seasons. They kind of felt like they could coast, and they forgot other teams have professional players as well. Um, and a lot of those were kind of closer games, you know, that they just weren't able to pull out. But, you know, they've kind of got their swagger back here a little bit, uh, particularly with Travis Kelsey and now with a big win over the Chargers. I mean, that yeah. is that is massive, um, you know, given the division that they're in, particularly for the Chargers. That's a game totally. they need to win, uh, being a borderline playoff team in that AFC, you yep. know. And so that was a big game for the Chargers, and it just gives – it should give the Chiefs even more con uh, confidence moving forward. You know, totally. they they they're now hitting their stride in a really good part of the season. They your stride in that was a good win in prime time for them. And yeah, you know, they're they're looking like the Chiefs that have the last two three years yeah. after a slow start to this season. So it, it's really nice to see them back because they're such a fun and exciting team when they yeah. are like this. Totally, totally, yeah. And um, again, Chiefs are back. You know, again, yeah, after that slow start, you know, they, they've really picked it up. They've really taken control of the AFC West. And, um, yeah, I think they can go pretty far into the playoffs and possibly, you know, keep this good run of form and, you know, take that into the Super Bowl um, possibly. Um, but, but anyways, moving on to our next player of the week. Um, again, this shouldn't be a surprise to anyone. Um, Jonathan Taylor, he's back in our players of the week. Um, he had a great week this week against the Patriots. Um, he had 29 rushes, 170 yards, and one touchdown. And again, just like Kelsey, he's been doing this all season. This is, you know, um, this is his eighth game with over 100 rushing yards this season. And he scored in each of the last 11 weeks. Um, and again, Jonathan Taylor is just insane. And, and obviously, he's having a good season, not just because he's improved a lot, but also because of that Colts offensive line, which has really cemented itself as one of the top O-lines in the league. Um, but yeah, Jonathan Taylor helped the Colts to a huge win over the Patriots. Um, obviously, the Patriots are still first in the AFC East. They're nine and five. Bills are eight and six. But 
that definitely was a bit of a dent in the Patriots, you know, good run of form uh, this season. Yeah, you know, the the Colts, uh, talk, I guess backing up here a little bit, Jonathan Taylor had an absolute monster season so far. Yeah. And I feel like a lot of the reason that we kind of talk about him now is because, you know, Derrick Henry's not there, a guy that yeah. he shared a vision with, a guy that is probably one of the most dominant running backs ever yep. is not, not play has not played the last few weeks. Yeah. And in his absence, people like Jonathan Taylor really stepped up to the plate and put up major stats and people have taken notice. Yep. And so I think a lot of it does have to do at least for the reason that Jonathan Taylor's the world are getting the attention is mm-hmm. because Derrick Henry's out right now. Yeah. Um, you know, he's obviously there's a monster game, but I mean, when Derrick Henry's putting up, you know, 200 yards and three touchdowns, then who are you going to talk about? You know, exactly. And so it's kind of nice that guys like Jonathan Taylor can kind of get a little bit of recognition, especially, you know, since they're still kind of really young guys that mm-hmm. are, that are going to have a decent bit of career left in them. And they're on a solid team, you know, right now they'd be in the playoffs and that's in large part due to Jonathan Taylor and the season yeah. that he's had. Um, and, you know, they, like you mentioned, they have one of the best offensive lines. So it's kind of nice to see a team like the Colts get some recognition with totally. guys like Jonathan Taylor, because they're not a team that really gets that all that often. Yeah, exactly. And, and, and going back to what you said about, you know, how, how Derek Henry being in the spotlight kind of took away from Jonathan Taylor. I mean, when, when I saw his stats, you know, 19 total touchdowns this season, 17 rushing two receiving, I didn't realize he scored that much. I mean, he, he, he's leading the league in total touchdowns. And again, look, look at his average yards per carry 5.6. If you have a running back with 5.6 yards of carry, I mean, you're, you're, you're destined to have success no matter who you're playing. So, I mean, these are just two stats that I didn't even realize. Um, and re- really until Derrick Henry, you know, had, had his, it, I mean, I, I don't know if it's season ending, but it, I mean, it, it seems like he's going to be out for, for pretty much the entire season, including the playoffs. But again, I mean, I, I just didn't even realize Jonathan Taylor was, was this elite per se. Yeah. Um, it's, it's interesting though. I think it might also have to do with being a smaller market team, you know, in Indianapolis. I mean, sure. You talk about all the Indianapolis teams, like who talks about the Pacers ever, you know, yeah, <laughs> like, exactly. Nobody really talks about Indianapolis teams really at all, unless they have some massive superstar in which they really have not at least uh, in the last decade or so. And so it is interesting thinking about that. You know, people talk about like Saquon Barkley or whoever. Yep. But like, it's kind of like, well, if you put Jonathan Taylor on the Giants, then like, it's probably Jonathan Taylor, not Saquon Barkley. So that's exactly. interesting as well. Totally. You know, just thinking about the dynamics of that. And it, like I said, that kind of makes it so much nicer that a guy like Jonathan Taylor is getting this type of recognition, you know, yeah. just exactly. make it that much nicer. Completely. But, and, um, but yeah, anyways, folks, those were our, our two players of the weeks. Travis Kelsey, once again, having a great game with the uh, with the Kansas City Chiefs and Jonathan Taylor, once again, um, having a fantastic game and playing a super key role in that Colts offense. Um, but now uh, moving on, we are going to talk about the game of the week. And this will kind of filter back into that Travis Kelsey conversation because our game of the week was the Chiefs against the Chargers on Thursday night football prime time. Um, not only was this an exciting game, but this was also such a vital and crucial game for the division. Um, you know, the, the AFC West is super tight right now. Every single team is at 500 or higher, but going into the game, the chiefs were nine and four chargers, eight and five. So this is huge for the chiefs. If they can win, they can kind of open up that, that, that 
um, I don't know, spread, if you want to call it, between two games between them and the Chargers. But, I mean, th- this was such a crucial game, and the Chiefs played fantastic. The Chargers played well, but, you know, just when it came to overtime, um, not having Derwin James there um, in coverage, you know, I mean, I think we all saw it. Travis Kelsey had two guys, three guys around him, and for some reason he, he, he made it around them. But, um, yeah, the, the, the Chiefs had, um, had a great game. This is their seventh straight win. Um, and I think they're just on a great run of form. I mean, o- over their last seven games, they've outscored opponents 197 to 93, and their defense is giving up an average of 13 points per game. So you're really setting yourself up for success with those types of numbers. Yeah, and you mentioned that final scoring play with Travis Kelsey. I mean, that feels like the embodiment of Chiefs football. Yeah. If you watch that play, like that feels like, you expect a thing like that to happen every single game you watch of theirs. Cause it's just unbelievable. You know, he should not, he should not have gotten a touchdown, much less picked up 20 or so yards, Yeah, you know, like yeah. he should have been dead to rights immediately upon catching the ball. And yet somehow a tight end is yep. able to outrun a whole defense and find the end zone by finding these unbelievable, just running hole, like yep. that nobody really sees it there. Like I kept expecting watching that play to go down any second yeah yet he he somehow made it to the end zone and so that is really a play though where you watch it and you go that is Chiefs football yeah you know that is what the Chiefs do every single week it feels like and or at least the last few years and that's what they weren't doing to start the season and now they're kind of back to fun plays like that just absolutely kind of backyard football type of miraculous plays that are so much fun to watch live yeah no, no, for sure. And um, again, Chiefs are back. Mahomes had a fantastic game. He was 31 for 47, 410 yards, three touchdowns. He did have a pick, but still led the Chiefs to a win. And um, not not to mention Tyree Kill had a huge game as well. I mean, he, he was just put on the COVID list today. Um, so, so that could be a big blow for the Chiefs come this coming weekend. But he had 12 receptions, 148 yards and a touchdown. So just, just fantastic stuff from the Chiefs um, this week. And uh, moving on now to probably I would say maybe the biggest upset of the year um, the Lions defeating the Cardinals for their second win of the season um, Cardinals have now dropped two games in a row because um, just just remembering back to um, last week's loss against the Rams you know but you know it, it, it was interesting the Cardinals really struggled without DeAndre Hopkins I mean um, I, I, I wouldn't say that's surprising but you'd hope that a team like the Cardinals would be able to kind of fight through this adversity because they have other guys like AJ Green, Christian Kirk, you know, um, obviously Edmonds isn't the same running back he was earlier this season, but they've got James Conner. So, and, and playing against the Lions, you should never play this poorly, whether or not you have a full healthy roster or one or two guys, you know, kind of out due to injury. But for whatever reason, the, the Lions came to play Cardinals were, were, off their game. I mean, Jared Goff had a solid game, not, not the most yards um, ever for him, but I mean, he had three touchdowns. Craig Reynolds, who I think was brought up by the Lions practice squad had 26 carries for 112 yards and um, St. Brown and Josh Reynolds both caught touchdowns. So, I mean, it's, 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 it's interesting. I mean, you know, the, the Lions, obviously they don't have that one big star on their team, but right now they're, they're kind of just going by committee and, Honestly, what whatever works for them um, worked on Sunday against the Cardinals. So, congrats to the Lions. Congrats to um, head coach um, Dan Campbell. 
Um, but yeah, that's a huge upset. Yeah, it's interesting. I feel like th- what happened Sunday with the Cardinals is kind of similar to what was happening with the Kansas City Chiefs early in the season. Yeah. Where you kind of go in expecting a win, particularly because it's a team like the Lions. And by this point in the season, a lot of teams that might have already secured their division or are out of the playoffs will not even try in some game. They might rest some guys. They might just not even try or whatever. And especially a team like the Lions, you kind of expect teams in this day and age to tank with a yeah. record of 111-1. Exactly. And so you probably go in as the Cardinals going, this will be easy. Like, this might as well be a bye week. Like, go ahead and give us the win. And then the Lions came out as professionals, and they said, we're going to win. And yeah. I love that with a team that's 1-11 because it is so, so easy just to punt for next season. Say, hey, we'll get a top draft pick, maybe get a really good player, maybe make a couple offseason moves, and we'll be back and we'll probably be better next year. You know, it's easy to do that if you're a team that's in Detroit's situation especially when tanking has become such kind of a fad of late uh, in the last five or six years in all sports leagues. And so the Cardinals probably didn't see this coming, to be frank, uh, probably just because they didn't, they thought the Lions really had already called their season off and just said, yeah. we're going to, we're going to play the off season uh, and set ourselves up best we can to be successful in three or four years. Uh, not this Sunday, you know, yeah, but yeah. there they were getting a win against the Arizona Cardinals, the team with, major major playoff aspirations in a game that they really cannot afford to drop this late in the season yeah exactly and I mean you know the the Cardinals although they're 10 and 4 I mean they're 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 still gonna want to try to get that that um first round by right I mean Cowboys are 10 and 4 in the NFC East um Cardinals have the Rams you know coming up behind them the Rams are 9 and 4 Niners 8 and 6 you know so I mean there's still a lot to play for especially in that NFC West division and this was a huge blow to the Cardinals um, uh, fight to, to, to get that first round by come the playoffs. But anyways, yeah. that, that was a huge game this, uh, this past weekend. Um, and um, actually, you know, normally football wraps up on Monday night. Right. But now kind of moving on to today, you still have two more games going on. I mean, yesterday the, the Raiders had to play the Browns at two o'clock because of COVID cases and, today at 4 p.m. at least for 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 my time in California um, Washington's gonna play Philly and Seattle's gonna play um, the Rams you know so I'm just curious Jack do you think NFL games should should continue to be postponed if 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 COVID cases pop up or do you think they should be handling it differently um I think you got to take it case by case now obviously you have enough guys that are not able to put a team out there then like what are you gonna do um that said, I mean, I think you just got to play through it. I, there's yeah. no real answer this late in the season. I mean, you're you're already so close to playoff time where you kind of just got to be the mentality of the NFL. Like, we just got to get through this. Mm-hmm. And also, if you're looking at the positivity rate throughout these leagues, a lot of these guys are asymptomatic, which I'm aware, like, you don't want coronavirus to spread. But, I mean, it, you can't be necessarily canceling games, I don't think, over a person that feels fine. Sure. In my opinion, while I understand the idea of that then could spread to multiple other people. I mean, when you're talking about who all is on the field, um, you know, they all, for the most part, should be vaccinated by this point or whatever, you know, and mm-hmm. uh, they got team doctors, all that stuff. So I just think you're so late in the season to where, yeah, like if you have to move a game time wise to wait for someone to be able to get back with the team. Yeah, go ahead and do that. But in terms of like canceling a game or something. I just would feel like it's way too late in the season to be making major, major adjustments like that. 
Yeah. Especially right, at least for right now, what the numbers are and all that stuff, like mm-hmm. that might change later. But as it stands right now, that seems like the route the NFL should probably take. Yeah. Uh, what are you thinking about that? Yeah, you know, I mean, I'm, I'm, I, I guess I'm kind of in a mixed um, state of mind because there, there's certain times where I'm just like, okay, yeah, you know what? It's, it's probably a good idea to postpone the game, make sure people are healthy and things like that. Make right. sure to test and at least have, okay, we, we, we've got a roster. We, we've got a group of guys that we can at least field, right? But mm-hmm. then at the same time, part of me feels like, look, this is, we, 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 we've experienced COVID for the last um, year and a half, you know? And it's like, even last season, right? Um, I'm, I'm not sure if you remember this, but the Ravens played the Steelers. They're supposed to play them on Sunday night football. They moved them to Monday. And then Lamar Jackson yes. still had COVID. They moved it to Wednesday at like 3 p.m. or 5 p.m. And part of me says, why does the NFL feel like they need to move this game? It's like, look, just because – is it just because Lamar Jackson has COVID? Do you want to have, you know, a, a big star that's going to bring in views to, to watch the game? Do, do you want that player to play? You know, because to me it's kind of like, look, we've been experiencing COVID for the last year and a half to two years. There's no reason why we shouldn't be able to play without certain players. And I, it, it's kind of getting to that point where I feel like teams are getting bailed out because they don't have their star players. And the NFL just simply is going to say, Hey, you know what? Let's just move it for you. You know, where it's like, look, no, yeah. if, if, if um, let's see for, for, for the Seahawks, you know, say, say DK Metcalf has COVID. Well, look, you know, too bad. He has COVID. You're going to have to play through that, you know? So again, part of me, understands it's like look you have to move the 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 games and stuff and you know reschedule but at a certain point I kind of feel like look a team might have to come out here eventually and forfeit because you can't just keep giving certain teams these bailouts and these get out of jail free cards you know um yeah so it's it's just interesting you know I mean obviously you know uh, obviously it's much more difficult than just saying, okay, a team will forfeit or we'll just cancel this game and reschedule it. But I don't know. I just feel like the NFL needs to figure out a more effective way to do this. Um, Cause it's getting to that point where I feel like they're just postponing games. So big star X factor type players are going to be playing for people to come and watch. So. Yeah, I think it's, I, I think it's good for, I think I agree with you on that in terms of treat it like it would be like an angled sprain or yeah. if someone had a, like food poisoning or something, yeah. cause that happens, yep. you know, that happens and a player misses a game and it's gotta be next man up. Uh, and so you, I think you got to treat it like any other reason for absence and a game, yeah. you know, exactly. you got to start treating it like that. Um, and it's just gotta be next man up. You know, yep. like I said, these guys are all professionals. Uh, roster spots you know one through whatever you know all of them have earned their spot for a reason exactly uh, they all should they all have been they're all really talented players mm-hmm. and people seem to forget that a lot of times when it yeah. comes to NFL football and so I think that I agree with you in terms of it's it could be good to have a next man up mentality that might be how you find some breakout player or something mm-hmm. you can make it fun through that you know yeah yeah exactly and and I mean just just for example right I mean if you look at the Browns Mayfield didn't play in case Keenum wasn't able to play. Right. Um, I, if, if I'm not mistaken, both of them might've gotten COVID, but it's like, look, what, what, what was the NFL trying to do by postponing this, the, the, the Raiders and Browns game where were they trying to hope that, you know, uh, Baker Mayfield would be able to play, you know, 
and instead of having to play on the Browns third string, Nick Mullins or something, I mean, you know, maybe that's a biased viewpoint just because I'm a Raiders fan, but again, right. If, if this game was postponed to Monday and I, and, and I saw Oat Baker Mayfield got his two negative COVID tests and he's able to play, I would have been pissed because I'm like, look, you can't just postpone a game for someone that's, that's out sick. Right. Again, just like you said, right. Treat it like an injury. The COVID list is obviously separate than the injured reserve or the questionable and out list. But at the end of the day, they're all injuries slash illnesses, right? So I think you need to treat them the same way instead of, you know, kind of just bailing people out with COVID. But anyways, you know, that's that that that's obviously a problem for people with a much higher pay grade than us. <laughs> um, we're just two guys spewing our ideas. But um, anyways, um, to wrap up the NFL segment for this week, um, we are going to throw two facts at you guys. Um, so some of you guys may, uh, may know this, some of you may not, but, um, the first fact that I just found pretty mind boggling was that the Dolphins have won six games in a row. Now they started one and seven. They're currently seven and seven. And I, I mean, I've been paying attention to football all year, but when I saw this, I was just, where have I been? I feel like, first of all, I haven't heard about this um from anyone and it, it was it was just such a surprise so um yeah it's 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 crazy dolphins have won six in a row first time since 2005 um if they do manage to win seven which it will be hard because they they're going to be playing the saints next week um it will be the first time since 1985 that they've won seven games in a row so that would be pretty spectacular um yeah and then and, and then the next fact that um I'm, I'm not sure if you knew this jack but I was I was surprised when I saw this as well. There's only three teams in the AFC that are below 500, and those are the Jets, the Texans, and the Jaguars. Um, three teams in one entire conference that are below 500. That just tells you that this playoff race is going to be absolutely ex- like, like it's going to be the most exciting playoff race I think we will have seen for a long time in the AFC. Yes. Um, so right now in the AFC standings, by the way, as it lies right now, um, who would be in is the Cincinnati Bengals, Indianapolis Colts, Los Angeles Chargers, and the Buffalo Bills taking up the last four spots. Those four teams are all eight and six. Now the teams that are out, Baltimore Ravens, Pittsburgh Steelers, Las Vegas Raiders, Miami Dolphins, Cleveland Browns, Denver Broncos. All those teams are seven and seven or better. So Baltimore Ravens are also eight and six, just like, uh, you know, the Bills, Chargers, Colts, Bengals, but they're not in the playoffs because they don't have the tiebreaker. Yeah. And then the Pittsburgh Steelers are seven and six. They're one game less than the other teams. And then all those other teams were 500. So just one game behind all the teams that would be in the playoffs right now. So it yeah. is a one game gap between what would be uh, what third or fourth in the AFC and basically the bottom of the AFC. Yep. There's like a one game gap. And yep. so it will be an extraordinarily tight race. Um, every single game counts, even the games you're not playing because yeah. you need the teams to, you need separation somehow. Exactly. You can't play all the teams. So you need a lot of teams to lose. You need a lot of teams to win. Uh, what? There are more teams that are not going to make it than, than do that. I just listed. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so it is going to be interesting to say the least. Uh, yeah. over the next few weeks of NFL football. 
Totally, totally. I completely agree with that. And um, that, that is going to wrap up um, our um, coverage of the NFL this week. Um, but yeah, just like Jack said, we are in for one extraordinary finish to the season. So um, should be exciting. Yes, um, for sure. Now that said, the college football season's basically um, wrapped up now. But before we talk again uh, or have another episode of the Jack and Ian show, the college football playoffs are going to happen. Um, right now, there have been, you know, the matchups have been made. Uh, Georgia playing Michigan, Alabama playing Cincinnati. And this is, this is extremely interesting to me. It's for the main reason of Alabama and Georgia just played each other last game. So if they meet each other in the championship, they will have played just two games prior. The reason that's interesting to me is because Alabama won the first time. But it's also extraordinarily tough to beat a team two times in a row in short order, especially when both teams are very, very good football teams. And you give them that much time to game plan and such. So that, that will be extraordinarily interesting to me if Alabama and Georgia can both win their respective games. That said, it's also interesting because Cincinnati is the first group of five team, not power five team, to ever make the college football playoffs. So this is kind of the one shot the little guys ever had. Uh, we've seen some really good college football group of five teams in the past. UCF, to name one. They beat a really good Auburn team in Atlanta in their bowl game where Auburn that year had gone to the SEC championship and beaten who, uh, I, if I'm remembering correctly, was the two champ, two teams in the national championship that year, Georgia and Alabama. Auburn had wins over both of them, and UCF beat Auburn. Um, and they went undefeated that season, and they didn't get a shot. But the Cincinnati team is going to get their shot at the college football playoff. So, It'll be interesting to see if they make the most of it for kind of group of five teams everywhere that have not really gotten their shot in the past, like that UCF team. And so they, they kind of got to feel a little bit of pressure. You know, they've, they've talked big saying we belong, we belong for so long. Well, now it's time to actually prove it, you know, sure. like now it's time to go out and actually at least be close, you know, yeah, like yeah, yeah. if it's a respectable loss, it's re that's like, okay, well, at least you were okay. But like you it cannot get blown out. If yeah. you're Cincinnati, that just defeats your point entirely. So Cincinnati uh, playing Alabama is a big game. And then Michigan, no one had them ranked preseason. Uh, they've kind of come out of nowhere this year. And Jim Harbaugh, he's had some really good teams in the past that have been ranked to start top 10, have playoff aspirations, supposed to be really good. This team was not one of them, yet they've made it farther than any team Jim Harbaugh's had in Michigan so far. So uh, it'll be it'll be a fun playoff ride for sure. I don't I'm not entirely sure it's going to happen. I'm pulling for Cincinnati because it's yeah. more fun to pull for the underdog. Sure. But it, it'll be an interesting college football playoff, to say the least, that happening on New Year's Eve. Sure, sure. So so you're pulling for, uh, for Cincinnati, you know, trying to keep that Cinderella story going. Um, who do you right. think is going to win? Do you think Cincinnati can pull it out or, or is there someone that you, you would I, place your money on? Yeah, I, I believe it'll be Georgia. I think Alabama is too athletic and they, they've got a better coaching staff. I think Luke Fickle's a great coach at Cincinnati, but Alabama is far more experienced when it comes to the stage, you know, the pressure, the prime time. Cincinnati's not really used to that. So there's a chance they, you know, rise to the occasion, but I think Alabama's just far too experienced. And then yeah. – on the other hand, I think I think Georgia will beat Michigan. I think that game will be really close, but I think Georgia's kind of on a mission here, especially after losing to Alabama just uh, last week. Um, I think 
that Georgia is going to play Alabama in the national title just like a few years ago. But this time I think Georgia wins because I think it's yeah. very tough to be the team twice in a row. I think Kirby Smart is due for one. I think that it's fair to say that that's pretty stupid because Nick Saban's own Kirby Smart in the past. But given the circumstances of this game, I think that Georgia is just in a position where they want to be. Um, you know, Alabama having beaten them once before, it's possible that they come in expecting another win. And so I think that that is kind of where Georgia wants them. And I think that they need to come out with something to prove if they're going to get a win, which I think they will. So I got Georgia winning the whole thing uh, with that kind of being how it plays out. Um, I hope it's extremely fun. I expect it will be. Yeah. Um, so I'm really looking forward to that for sure. No, totally. Yeah. So, so again, college football playoffs, it's, uh, it's, it's, it's going to wrap up right before the new year and um, yeah, should be a lot of fun in store um, for that. But anyways, moving on now um, to our soccer segment, um, you think, you think you know about soccer. Um, today, we're going to talk a lot about um, VAR and, and the controversy around the, the video assistant referee. Um, you know, this weekend in the Premier League, um, um, especially, there's a lot of controversy around um, the lack of taking a look at the VAR official and trying to recall a possible um, foul or um, lo looking at penalty appeals and things like that. that. And so, First off, I, I do want to start off with um, the best game of this weekend. And I, I would say it was between Liverpool and Tottenham. Uh, it was a 2-2 draw. Um, Liverpool obviously are still fighting for um, the, the title. Um, the, the title race is definitely heating up. But now um, Manchester City are three points out, out in front of Liverpool. But this was a huge game nonetheless. And I, I'm going to take you guys through three scenarios that happen. Obviously, if, if you guys watch Premier League, you guys know exactly what I'm talking about. But the first um, controversial um, moment of the game was when Harry Kane went in with a reckless tackle on Andrew Robertson and he showed his studs in the tackle. So that's an obviously that's an obvious red flag for um, referees to, to kind of pull the card out of the back pocket and, 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 and uh, suspend them for the rest of the game. But the referee saw the tackle. He was in a great position and he only gave Harry Kane a yellow card as opposed to a red card, um, which would have suspended Harry Kane, not just for this game, but for the following three games as well. Um, and uh, this was a terrible call, first of all. Harry Kane was not only late to the tackle on Andy Robertson, but he was showing his studs. Um, he, he went in studs up, and he also didn't touch the ball once. So it, 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 it's th this, this should not have been any question of, of it being a red card, but for some reason, um, the, the referee decided to give him a yellow. And this is where a lot of fans um, have kind of been upset with how VAR is used um, because VAR is, again, the video assistant referee. It's kind of like um, in NFL, how they have the replay boost to, to go challenge a play and say, okay, was that really pass interference or um, to, to challenge the spot of the ball? It's, it, it's, it's that kind of similar um, idea. And the, the, the controversy with this is that the referee didn't even take a look at VAR. He didn't even give the, the, the replay a chance to overturn his call. And so this is really an issue that is not just within the referees on the field, but also with the video assistant referees that are in the booth elsewhere, not telling the referee on the field to actually go take a look. 
obviously the referee on the field can't make every single call perfectly, but that's why we have the video assistant. We have the video assistant to call in and tell the referee, hey, look, you might want to take a look at this call just to really make sure you got it right. You know, make, make sure to look out for clear and obvious errors on, on your part, you know, but for some reason, it just seems like they're not communicating that enough to, to the referee. So that was a huge issue. Um, and then again, later in the game, um, Diogo Jota, um, Liverpool center forward for, for this game, tried to draw a penalty, which to pretty much everyone in the world, it's a penalty. But again, this referee didn't call anything, which, which was okay. If the referee didn't call anything on the field, he let play go on. That's fine. But then you need to go back to VAR and have the video assistant, again, tell the referee, hey, just take a look at the decision. You know, there, there's no harm in just making sure that you made the right call and things like that, you know. But once again, the video assistant referee did not chime in. He did not go tell the referee on the field to go take a look. And so this is really, really out, you know, causing outrage within fans. I mean, VAR was supposed to be this thing where it basically nullifies all bad calls and and essentially it, it, it nullifies and voids human error in the game. But really it's 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 just creating an embarrassment for the referees and everyone that's on the refereeing staff because you know if if you can't get it right on the field, that's okay, but that's why you have VAR to get it right on a on a second try. But it doesn't seem like they're really doing that. And so um yeah, this is a huge issue in, in the Premier League, um, not only just for this game, but also for other games. Um, when, when Arsenal played Leeds United this weekend, um, Arsenal's uh, center mid, Granit Xhaka, had, uh, he, 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 he stomped on, uh, on Rafinha's foot, studs showing late, late. He was late to the challenge, didn't get any, uh, any bit of the ball, and he was only awarded a yellow card as opposed to a red card. And again, this was a blatant stomp on Rafinha, and again, no VAR came in and told the referee, hey, you might want to check this. So it, it's kind of like, why do we have VAR if, if they're not going to tell the referee on the field to actually go back and look? So, you know, th this has been an ongoing issue in soccer. Um, and again, I, 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 I like the idea of VAR, but the thing is, human error is a part of the game, right? You can't always get rid of every single bad call you know I mean you, you and I Jack whether that's in soccer or um, other sports we all know we, we, we both know moments that should have been judged in a different way but because of human error you know it was judged differently right I mean whether that's mm -hmm. the spot of the ball um, you know being being um, on the pylon or, or, or breaking the breaking the goal line right or, or other things like that right um, so this is just an issue that's been ongoing in soccer and it definitely uh, definitely needs to be figured out sooner rather than later because it's already been implemented for two and a half, three seasons. So um, that's one huge issue. Um, and then moving on now, I mean, I do want to talk about the title race. I, I did allude to it a little bit earlier um, in this segment, but um, Chelsea, who pretty much had a grip on the title race um, for, for the majority of this first half of the season, are now six points off of the first place Manchester City. Um, Chelsea have 38 points. They're in third place. Manchester City are um, in first place with 46 points. Liverpool's in second with um, 43 points. So, I mean, the, the or sorry, 43 or 41 points, something like that. But 
the title race is heating up. Um, Chelsea have been struggling a little bit. They, they, they've been struggling without, um, you know, due, due to the lack of players because of COVID, you know, COVID cases are really starting to take its toll um, in soccer leagues all around the world, but um, especially the Premier League in England. Um, they, they, they just drew to Everton and Wolves. So they've, they've dropped four points over two games. Um, but then on the other hand, you have Manchester City who are just continuing to tear it up in the Prem. They're on an eight-game winning streak um, in the Premier League. Um, this streak has been going on since November 4th. Um, mm. And then on, on the other side of that, Liverpool is in great form as well. Um, I, I mentioned this guy earlier, um, but Diogo Jota has completely transformed Liverpool's attack. Um, coming into the season, you know, people weren't sure what kind of role he would play because, again, he, he's an attacker. So Liverpool's attack is already such a difficult, you know, kind of attack to, to integrate yourself into because they, they, they've really solidified their front three with Mohamed Salah, Sadio Mane and Roberto Firmino. But Diogo Jota has completely taken that center forward position by the scruff of the neck and he's really pushed Roberto Firmino out of the picture completely I mean he's got 10 goals and 17 appearances um and and not to mention he he's just playing a huge role even when he's not scoring he's making positive runs that create space for other players and he's getting assists left and right so um this title race is definitely one to to keep watching it's going to go through May of 2022 and so I, I I just can't wait um but yeah so the Premier League is starting to heat up. Obviously, it's December, so this is when they're going to be playing games left and right. And, and, and this is when you're really going to see the top teams separate themselves from those mediocre teams, you know, because you're playing so many games, that's going to spread out, you know. Um, yeah. But yeah. Um, and then last but not least, I do want to talk about the Champions League. Um, last week, e even though Jack and I didn't do a show um, last week, um, the Champions League draw took place, um, even though um, the, the, the next round of the Champions League won't be played until February 15th. Um, I do want to go over some of my early Champions League picks. And so for the first game we have on hand is uh, PSG and Real Madrid. Um, I think this is probably the most exciting match that we have in store. Um, PSG obviously has that front three of Messi, Neymar, and Kylian Mbappe. Real Madrid, mm. on the other hand, have been absolutely outstanding this year in La Liga. Um, and I'm going to go out on a limb and say that I think Real Madrid's going to beat PSG. Um, I, wow. I, I think, yeah, I, I, I think a lot of people are going to be thinking PSG is going to win. But, you know, even though PSG have this super team, they've really struggled to put all the pieces together. You know, it's, it's, it's kind of like, I don't know. It's, it's a bit like the Lakers right now, you know, with Westbrook, Anthony Davis, LeBron James, et cetera. Right. They, they have all these stars, but they can't figure out the best way to really work together. And that's really yeah. the issue that PSG is having. So um, obviously this game is not going to take place for another, you know, two, um, two and a half months. So, I mean, things can change between then and now, but I'm going with Real Madrid um, next up. Sporting Lisbon's going to be playing Manchester City. This one's pretty easy. I'm taking Manchester City. Um, I would take Manchester, Manchester City against anyone on any day. I think they're just a fantastic club. The style that they play is great. Um, so I, I, I fully expect them to steamroll Sporting. 
Um, and then the next team, you have RB Salzburg and Bayern Munich. Bayern Munich right now, obviously, leading um, the Bundesliga. Um, it looks like they're going to win the Bundesliga. And again, they're just on great form right now. Um, Bayern just has a, a, a full team that is just playing at its highest level, whether you look at their starting 11 or their you know, four or five, six bench players. They have the depth that they need to go win this Champions League and the Bundesliga, and they're playing at the highest level right now. So I'm taking Bayern Munich. And then next you have Inter Milan and Liverpool. Again, I just spoke really highly of Liverpool. I can't see how Liverpool would, would happen to lose this tie against Inter Milan. Um, obviously, um, you know, if, if there's injuries coming up, you know, because this game is still two months um, away on the calendar, you know, injuries can happen. COVID can happen, but I, I don't see how Liverpool could lose this. And then going into the last four games, you have Chelsea against Lille. There's no way Lille is going to beat Chelsea. So I'm taking Chelsea all the way. Um, the next team, Villarreal and Juventus. You know, Ju Juventus is in, is in a really interesting state right now. They're, 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 they're struggling in, in, in the Serie A, and Villarreal is really starting to become a, one of your more prominent clubs in La Liga in Spain. And so I'm going to take Villarreal. I think it, as long as they can kind of keep this hot streak going, I think they can win it. Um, and then la la lastly, um, you have Atletico Madrid against Manchester United. I'm a Manchester United fan, so you, you know exactly who I'm going to be going for, um, even though we are having – uh, a bit of a tough season. I, I think we'll pull it out, especially with uh, Ralph Regnick um, as our manager. Now he's going to figure out the best way to play with the players he has come February. And so I can't wait for that. And then the last game has been Fika and Ajax and Ajax have been this kind of dark horse team this entire season. They've been, they've been fantastic. They've been playing um, top football. And um, I think, I, I think they can get the job done against Benfica, but this should be a fairly competitive tie. But those are my picks for Champions League. Um, this, these are the, this is the round of 16. So this, again, this won't be played until February 15th and it'll end on right. February 23rd. But th those are my early Champions League picks with, with all the current lineups um, that we have right now. But obviously that can change come February. Yeah. For sure. That's uh, I think that's all we got for today's show, right, Ian? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That that that's pretty much it. Football, college football, and soccer. So, yeah, yeah. All right. So uh, we'll have a good Christmas, hopefully. You know, yep. the two of us. Hope, hopefully, all y'all have some good Christmases as well. Uh, we'll see y'all in the new year. Yep. All right, guys. See you later. Have a great break.